Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast. Episode one, I don't know, something, something. 76, sounds good. We'll go with that. 176 of the sports podcast. I didn't check it earlier. Don't really worry about it. We've had quite a few over the years, and we didn't get a chance because of our schedules to talk about the YSU-Villanova game prior to the game, but we can talk about the aftermath of the game as Villanova defeated Youngstown State 45-28. Good news if you're a Cleveland Guardian fan. The Guardians won the lottery today and will have the first pick in the amateur draft come June. Yeah, they only have 2% chance, so it's nice to get that opportunity. Hopefully there's a couple of big power battles we can choose between because as we've all seen through the last couple of years, that is the biggest weakness on this uh, team right now. The state championships in football have come and gone here in Ohio, and Maslin won their first ever state championship this week in the playoff era. Congratulations to the Tigers. They won 7-2 to two over Akron-Hoban. And that was a hell of a game, Tim. I don't know if you caught any, but I caught a little bit. And uh, Maslin's defense was just, just amazing. Both teams, but yeah. And... I believe Hoban only allowed 150, maybe 150 total yards the whole game. Yeah. Uh, so just a really well-coached game. Two, uh, arguably, Tim, the two best teams in Division Two. Uh, two of the best teams in the state, no matter what division. Oh, yeah. Um, Phenomenal. That was an incredible game, as well as uh, St. Ed's beat Springfield for the third straight year in a row. And, Tim, I'm not sure if you've ever been to Springfield, Ohio, but I was there this weekend. And this is not as strong as the city because it's a nice, quiet, older city. Right. But it's impressive to me how – Team gets the state finals three years in a row, regardless. But an older town um, that, from what I heard, has a dwindling population. Uh, what a credit to that program, uh, the kids, the coaching staff, and uh, the overall culture they've created down there. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, you got to give them credit. Hey, you don't go to that many championships uh, in a row. And, uh, you know, hey, you want to hats off to them. I mean, that's just like Kirkland. I mean, my hat's yep. off to Kirkland. They've won what oh, I want to say their seventh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he has done a, a phenomenal job. And, and that's go ahead. Seventh since 2010, Tim. I I believe if I if I'm correct, um, I think he's seven since 2010 or 20. Yeah, it's seven in the last 15 years. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. It is. It's, it's, it's absolutely it's an absolute incredible stat. Um, and they've done that in multiple divisions too, Tim. You know, they've done it up, they've done it down. Uh, just uh, what a job by Tiger LaVert to do that. And I believe we saw uh, Maria Stein, Marion Local, win again. Uh, that Mac out there, Tim, as you and I have talked about throughout the years, is uh, it's just great just football. Incredible. Just a great conference, and, great uh, football, and great competition. Uh, the Perry Pirates continue to win again. Yes. Uh, How about that? To congratulations to them. We were they watching did. that game this weekend. Uh, found out that Perry's head coach used to be the defensive coordinator at Dublin Sciotto. Um, So I talked to a couple people that coached with him, and they were really happy for him. And just 
uh, how he might be, they said, he's the most fundamentally sound, intense, but players coach they've ever met. Well, you know, and I've he's... had the uh, the luck and the opportunity to mm-hmm. uh, broadcast a couple Pirates games yes. over the years, mm-hmm. uh, helping out uh, some friends of mine. And, uh, you know, I was happy for the Pirates. I, I truly would. Perry oh, is a great community. They get 100% behind their school. Mm-hmm. And more importantly... You know, I really thought this year when they got past the Mahoning Valley in the uh, in the playoffs that they then mm-hmm. had that opportunity to cash it in and and play for his title and win one, and they did. And so you got to give yep. um, all the credit in the world to uh, to Perry for what they achieved. And uh, you know, that's what it takes a community. It takes great coaching. It takes players that are who are dedicated to learning and, and performing on the field. There's so mm-hmm. much goes into a football team and a at any level or any sports team, especially at the high school level. You got to do. You got to learn from your mistakes. You got to learn from your failures. You got to have an opportunity to succeed. And you know, uh, another uh, big news in the area. Basically, yeah. is uh, Coach Pavlansky from Canfield is retiring. Mm-hmm. He has given up his whistle and uh, going to move on to bigger and better things. And uh, 23 years as a head coach, phenomenal. Of course, last year hit the pinnacle with the state title. He went to two title mm-hmm. games in his career. And uh, last season was able to uh, see the uh, Cardinals win the uh, championship and then this year defend it. And take it as far as they could. Um, congratulations to Coach Pav. He's been, you know, one of our favorites over the years. You and I both have had a chance to talk to him and uh, what he meant uh, to Canfield over the last uh, 23 years. Yeah, Tim, as somebody who's uh, had the uh, privilege to have him as a teacher um, to – cover his teams uh, throughout the years in regular season games, in playoff games. Uh, Coach Pav has been nothing but accommodating and supportive. Um, And I'll argue this with anybody. Um, He is, I believe, a top five coach in this area all time. I don't put up against anybody. What he's done. I don't have a problem with that statement at all. Him and Dan Yagley, Tim, I think – for years don't get the recognition they deserved and it was great to see them get to the mountaintop last year and win the state championship and not only win it but just dominate it from uh, the opening kickoff to the final snap um you know uh coach pav went undefeated numerous times throughout the years and he really did uh, with different kinds of teams tim you, you know defense is always his calling card but you know, a run game, a powerful run game. Well, that's always the been the number years, one part of his we offense. We saw him open it up a little bit, and you know, with the uh, town of Brock Lowry that he had. But, um, you know, I was at the title game in 2005 and the heartbreaker against a really good title Central Catholic. Yes. Team. And they win that game if, you know, they don't have uh, their two starting running backs get hurt, you know, as a major loss. But, I'll say this, Tim, as good of a coaching job as he did in those years, the coaching job that he did this year, getting that Canfield team 
to the second round of the playoffs and have a really good shot. I believe, Tim, I think if they beat Ursuline, they'd probably go to the regional finals. Um, what a job he did with all of the losses to graduation. He lost three offensive linemen to injury. Um, and this isn't college or the NFL where you got guys you, you can plug and play. You know, you work with a limited number here. And to see what he did with a young roster uh, to go to the playoffs, and I believe he won nine games again this year, Tim, eight games again this year. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, that he did, and it's just a credit to the culture uh, that he's built there in 23 years, and uh, we'll see who gets that job. I uh, believe they got to open up to the district first, and there's a lot of good coaches in that district, Tim, that uh, they'll have a little bit of a drop-off without pass, but I think the uh, the culture that Pav created there for the Kansas football program, I think they're going to be strong uh, going forward. I think so. I think, like you said, 23 years there, mm-hmm. the security of what he brought to that program, it wasn't just him. It yep. was all his coaches around him. Yep. And uh, whoever gets that job, if it's inside or outside the mm-hmm. the community, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see and see what they have in store and what they plan on doing and, you know, obviously wish him the best of success going forward. And and not surprising. I mean, I hate saying no. this. Um, coaching is such a difficult job today. Oh. And to get an old school coach, you, you know, who's been around close to 25 years and uh, who ran the ball, who understood the the game and was a student of the game, it's difficult to find today, um, especially in a game where everything is in uh, spread offense. Mm-hmm. Defenses are vanilla. Yep. And it's just the way the game has evolved in the last 15 years. And not 100% every team this way, but many teams. And you're gonna, you have to adjust to what's, what's in front of you. But you can also be true to yourself, and he was. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. the, his his quarterback did get under center at times, but they yep. were in shotgun uh, primarily nowadays, mm-hmm. and they did run the ball out of that formation with four wideouts and uh, or a tight tight end off the wing type mm-hmm. scenario, and they weren't afraid to be you know who Canfield was and. Oh. You know, you can change with the times, but you can do a lot of good things in, you know, a um, an offense that's changed. And uh, it's just the game has changed so dramatically in the last 20 years. It really, truly has. Um, there is advantages to everything that, that happens in sports and an old school coach can get a lot done if he's open-minded enough to recognize the game mm-hmm. is changing and is willing to uh, adapt his philosophies to what is going on today. And that was Pav, and that you know, and that's his brother in in, in Poland, and that's so many. But I'll go back to what I was talking originally going to say about these old school coaches. The reasons why you're not going to see, in my opinion, many coaches ever. You know, stay around for twenty plus years, twenty five years, thirty years, like we've had had in the past. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, Yagley and others, is just the volume of 
commitment that a coach has to have today that most of them are kind of young when they get in it. And then the family comes in and uh-huh. that time crunch comes and to make that sacrifice and to deal with parents today uh, is a I'll lot talk. to ask of any coaching staff and let alone a head coach that has to deal with it 24 seven, uh, three And you know, you're always going to have that parent knocking on your door. You're always going to have, uh, yeah. you know, those second guessing you in film, uh, you know, when you're back in the day, when you used to have Phil Knight, where the, you would go, review the game and, you know, for the boosters and stuff like that. I don't even know if they do that anymore, but when I was young, that was huge. It was, uh, you know, Monday night, it was the always, uh, you know, the boosters club would, would host a, uh, a film mm-hmm. night of the previous game. And the coach would of course go through the film and talk about the upcoming mm-hmm. thing and all that. Da, da, da. I don't even know if they still do that, but that was a big thing back in the seventies, eighties, even in the early nineties. Um, but needless to say, like I said, the time commitment, everything involved. I think the burnout plays a big part of it. And that's why you see coaches well, last absolutely. between five to seven years, maybe 10 years max mm-hmm. before they say, step aside. Now they may come back in a year or two or four years, you know, we've seen that, but that's not uncommon um, that you'll see a coach come and go and, uh, you know, maybe t- come back for a few years. I just don't think you're going to ever see, you know, one person be, somewhere for 20, 25 years again. I just don't think no. you're going to see many opportunities for that. Um, just is the way the game of high school football has changed and society has changed. And, you know, like I said, I, I wouldn't want to be a head coach today and deal with all the parents and all the, all, not the backlash, but the the political backlash of sports today. It, it's big. and. Mm-hmm. You have to have a, a strong spine to do it, and your good coaches do. And they can handle it, and it's not a big deal to them. They just kind of you know, smile and, and will do what they think mm-hmm. is best for their team. And then there's others who, unfortunately, the pressure gets to them, and they have to bow to certain things, and, and that not necessarily always works out for the best. But that's a different story for a different time. And more than anything, it's congratulations to Coach Pav and what he achieved at Canfield and uh, wishing him nothing but the best going forward. Yeah, it's definitely going to be different to see uh, someone other than Coach Bav leading the Canfield football program. Is, uh, he's become a staple in the community and um, just done a, com- a really, really good job. And, um, you know, teams talk about playoff runs, and unfortunately, our Penguins playoff run came to an end Saturday. And, um, had a couple of days to sit here and uh, dissect it. Obviously, it was a tough defeat. Um, I thought we had a chance to win that game as well as I think a lot of people did. But I got to say this, and I think you and I talked about it after the game. Is, uh, you just got to take your cap to Villanova. That is a really well-coached football team. Uh, There's a reason why they were one of the top eight that got to buy. Yeah. Yeah. They are a really good football yeah. team. Um you know, they were 9-2 and two on the year. Yes. Um, Coach Ferrante's been there for 20 years. A lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. If not He's longer. Over life and, yeah. You know, and uh, I'll say this, and this is the first time um, that I've watched a complete Villanova game this year. Uh, that is a really good football team. 
it is a really good football team that understands who they are. They're fundamentally sound on offense. They are fundamentally sound on defense. And special teams are good also. Uh, that's a good football team. And uh, they get a couple breaks. Uh, they got a tough one Saturday against South Dakota State, the number one team in the country. That's won 26 in a row, I believe, something like that. Well, um, yeah. Let, you know, but, let's just put it this way. You want to talk about doing the, your job as a head coach and designing a game mm-hmm. plan. Um, Connor Watkins threw for 275 yards, had a touchdown yes. and interception in a game. They ran the ball 31 times. They threw the ball 21 times. You know, yep. um, they knew exactly what they were going to do on every down. It was never in doubt what they wanted to achieve. And their top three running backs all had over 50 yards. You know, Connor Watkins. Yeah, I mean, I, Watkins being the, the quarterback as a runner. The quarterback out of, still yeah, for 69. Yeah, ran for yeah. 56 yards. You know, mm-hmm. you know Barty ran for 61 and Jackson 81. I mean, that's how you play football today, you know. And then you look at the receivers. Again, no one had – he just spread it out. No one had more than two yeah. catches the entire game. But there were impressive catches when they made it. You know, it's like Luke Daly had one catch for 45 yards. I mean, that's making your one reception count, you know. And well, that that's really it. impressive when you think about what they did last – Last Saturday against Youngstown State. Well, the thing that jumped out to me, Tim, is, you know, obviously, um, you know, for the first time really all year, uh, take out the Ohio State game, but for really the first time all year, we got our butt kicked on the ground. Well, we, yeah, we couldn't did. stop the run game at all. Uh, they averaged six yards a carry, five rushing touchdowns. It started with the first drive of the game, pinned them back deep. They went 88 yards. And Tim, it didn't seem like we gave them any resistance. Well, uh, I hate to say this, but it just shows you the difference from being a a team that has to play in the first round of the playoffs and a team yeah. that gets a bye. You know, and this is what the expanded playoffs is going to look like next year at the Division One level. Yes. And um, don't get me wrong, twelve is fine. I'm I I, I like symmetry. I've said this many times. Eight would be a perfect number. If you're going to have an expanded play, then it needs to be 16 for all teams play. You know, I I just, I'm not a big fan of buys. And all they're doing is cutting the the FCS championship in half from 24 to 12 Mm -hmm. at the FBS level. Mm -hmm. That's fine. You know, whatever. Um, But I'm, like I said, I'm not a big fan of, you know, the four games being played while four teams sit at home. I, I just yeah. rather have an event like Saturday, Saturday yep. where you had all these games and everyone cared about what was going on. You know, from yep. Friday night with Washington and what they achieved and going all the way until Sunday, you know, late Saturday night. Every game mattered. You know, there was a storyline between it all. And we'll get into the the selection of uh, the final yep. four here in a little bit. And I'm not to uh, get off Youngstown State, but. I didn't have high expectations Saturday. You know, I thought they had it. I wanted them to surprise me. And I thought Villanova was just a clown, you know, was a much better prepared, bigger, stronger team than Youngstown State was. And they proved it, I thought, from the opening drive to the end of the game. 
I don't want to take anything away from the players who performed at Youngstown. I thought they, you know, all of them were admirably. You know, I thought Mitch Davison mm-hmm. played well. He was asked to throw the ball a lot. He threw three touchdowns, yep. and when you throw the ball a lot, you can get picked off. And, you know, yep. he got a couple of picks along the way. But that's not – those weren't the game changer in my eyes. No. It was, like you just said, the defense unable to stop a running game that really established the game. But that's that's football. And that's what I'm talking – you know, every, every level of football really starts on the offensive and defensive lines. Yep. If you can control the game there, then you have an opportunity. You're, if your front seven defensively can make stops and put you in third and long situations, then you're, you're in great situation to win this ball game defensively. Your offense, just the opposite. It has to get three to five yards on first down. If you're not achieving that, you're behind the eight ball on second down. And so many times we've seen this in every sport or every level of football, mm-hmm. you know, and I understand that the the passing game is a big part of football today. And I have no problem with throwing on first down, but you have to have a design of what you want to do. And you have to be able to throw downfield. If you if everything's short, then everybody's going to come up on that and, and, and prevent it. You have to throw downfield. You have to make defense the the safeties and your corner the D backs play back for you can open up stuff inside. Uh I thought, you know, in the end, Youngstown was just uh hard to say this. I mean there's a they reason why you were eight and four coming into the game. Yeah, they were up. They were just outmatched. Exactly. I mean they gallantly tried. They played hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm I don't yeah. take anything away from what they achieved this year because this was a big stepping stone for this program. And it hadn't made the playoffs since 2016. So, you know, even if you backdoored in it, I don't care. You made the playoffs. Like I've said how many times yeah, to you, you Anthony, just get game. me in the tournament and let me see yeah. what could happen. And that's what happened. You know, and, you know, Jim, the thing that stood out to me is uh, we ran 21 more plays in Villanova. But Villanova had 466 total yards. We had to have 369. But yeah, but you know. That really jumped out to me. Yeah, go ahead. If Villanova averaged 22.9 yards a completion. Yeah. So they were getting uh, anything they wanted through the air, and that's because uh, they were dominant up front and set up the run game, and we tried to stop the run game and threw it over top of us. And uh, That's a good football team, Tim. They, uh, Here's the – You know, I went through the uh, run. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, just to put a point on what you said about their passing game. As I mentioned earlier, they had four, four receivers, each with only two receptions. They, 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 mm-hmm. pa- they, they moved the ball around. But here, listen to these yardage, okay? Averages, mm-hmm. 45.5, 45, 20.5, 20, 22.0, mm-hmm. uh, 8 yards, 15 yards, mm-hmm. 5 yards. There's only two there that weren't in double digits, that means that they had pass plays that were going downfield. They were getting into your defensive backs. and You could not get pressure on the quarterback to make the play. And that's what, you know, they up front dominated your front seven. And that was the game. But they had a design to get big plays, and they did. 
And that's what it's all about. And you compare that to Youngstown. And I don't take nothing away from, but you look at the offense. I mean, you had, you know, Mac Tomzak had a big game. You know, he had 105 yeah, yards, you know, averaged over 11 yards catch, you know. Uh, Fartherly had uh, 18.2 yards. You know, he mm-hmm. had the two touchdowns. You know, he had four catches for 73 yards again. But here's the thing. You're throwing 44 times. Yeah. <laughs> That's huge. That is too much. That's, and this offense, the reason why Villanova ran less plays is they scored touchdowns. Yep. And you didn't. And, you know, they scored what? Five touchdowns before they kicked a field goal. Yeah. That tells you everything. Well, the thing that really jumped out to me is, you know, going through this roster, and uh, Connor Watkins, quarterback for Villanova, graduate student. Uh, Jalen Jackson, one of the runbacks for Villanova, graduate student. Yeah. D. Lil Barley, graduate student. T.D. Iodor, how do you pronounce that name? Graduate student. Jaron Hayak, graduate student, countless fifth and sixth year players on the defense. So they really used the COVID year uh, to their advantage. And uh, credit to them in that program, they didn't have a lot of those kids transfer out. They stuck with it. And uh, once again, another playoff appearance, a conference championship this year in the CAA, which is a really tough conference, a really good conference. Um, and they'll go on to the quarterfinals this weekend against South Dakota State. And uh, to Nathan Fessler, a very impressive football team who uh, we're going to see quickly again next August as we open the season at Villanova. Um, so hopefully we can close the gap uh, on Villanova and uh, start next season with a better result. We ended it, but like you said, you know, Tim, it's a step in the right direction for this football program. Uh, they're coming off a combined four wins uh, two years ago. Um, well, so it's yeah. improving each year. Uh, obviously, we know we have to get a lot better up front. The front seven on defense has to get a lot better. Um, the offensive line has to get better. Uh, Going to lose uh, the all-time leading passer, Mitch Davidson. But uh, well, yeah, you know now it's up to Phillips. You were seven and four last year. You missed the playoffs. You made the playoffs last year. This, this year. year, now it's about getting consistent. Now it's about getting consistent and getting in the playoffs every year or every couple years, winning the seven to eight games. Uh, but the bugaboo team is just still going to win on the road. And this program, again, uh, showed that they are a long ways away uh, from competing on the road. As, uh, that game really after the latter stages of the first quarter was not competitive. Yeah, and obviously right now you're in the middle of what's uh... – some will call the silly season as the portal, the transfer portal has opened. And uh, YSU is going to lose uh, at least four players, including the linebacker, which I already heard Pitt Pitt has made an offer to. I know Pitt, West Virginia, and Michigan State have offered him. And you know what, Tim? Uh, Congratulations. Oh, yeah. He's been a heck of a player for us. And uh, for his last year, for him to go to a Division I program, like one of those schools uh, that will probably play in the bowl game next year and get his NFL stock up. Uh, congratulations, him, and I hope he does well. I do, too. I mean, uh, when I call it the silly season, is you're just going to see a lot of transfers, a lot of big names, including um, Ohio State's quarterback, 
And, uh, you know, there's going to be more moves. I mean, Kyle made that decision this uh, Monday morning that he was going to mm -hmm. enter the portal and leave, uh, leave, excuse me, Ohio State. And it's not uncommon. It's just like I'm reading right now. Patrick Payton from uh, Florida State plans on entering the portal. You know, yep. and uh, this is, you know, this is where we live today. I mean, we have what I call free agency in college football, and you can. You have that one free transfer, yep. and mm -hmm. most players are going to use it, and especially graduates are going to use it, as we've seen yep. many times. Um, and it is, this is where, it was interesting. I was watching the game on TV with mm -hmm. Youngstown State, and I don't know who was doing the analyst. I believe it was the ESPN guys. Yes, they were, but I, I don't yeah. remember who yeah. it was, yeah, the actual person. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but he made a comment that I thought was spot on when he talked about the portal. And he says, you know, Youngstown needs to get bigger. And yep. Youngstown needs, you know, they're going to have to use the transfer portal to their advantage and bring in players, you know, at different levels in, and that. Mm -hmm. Now, when we grant you, last year we had, you know, Hooker come back home, which was huge. Yeah. And I'm not saying, but you need, I don't know if you want to live like the basketball team is living, you know, through the portal each year, but you're going to need to do that at this level to compete for championships because the rest of them are. I guarantee you all the Dakotas are just sapping up, you know, mm -hmm. can't wait to bring some of these players in on visits to show them what they can do, you know, and what they're going to be able to offer them as a, uh, as a student athlete. So, yeah, it's going to be important. You're going to have to really be able to get your recruiting on. And, you know, if it's the offensive line, if it's a quarterback, if it's a um, defensive back, these are the players that are out there each and every year, and you can um, make, you know, decisions. And it's just, I'm just reading different names that are in the portal. You know, Cincinnati – uh, is first up for Ohio State transfer Cam Martinez, you know, a defensive mm -hmm. back, you know, and just receiver priorities for Kentucky in the transfer portal. I mean, this is what you have to take advantage of. I mean, it is absolutely where college football is today. And yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. this, these are the rules that everybody lives by. So, uh, yes, you do need to recruit the high schools, and yes, you have to get freshmen to come in and hopefully get them to stay for four years and growing your program. Absolutely 100% necessary. But now you have the second season. And the season is during the portal. And you have to take advantage of these situations. And you have to find players that are fringe players at the FBS mm. level. that are going to yep. want to play at the FCS level because they can play, come in and play tomorrow. And that's really going to be important. And... You're going to have to find these these players. And they can't, I mean, obviously when they have local connections, that makes it a little easier to bring them back home. Mm -hmm. But it really doesn't matter. I don't care if the, if the kid is from Georgia originally and played for Pitt and, and decided that, exactly. well, you know, he ha he's, has an opportunity to come play and compete in the Missouri Valley Football Conference for Youngstown and, and be seen. You know, I don't care if he's, for Missouri itself, you know, and, you know, and Youngstown can bring him in. I don't care where they come from. Uh, obviously, this is part of football today, and you have to be ready for it. And I'm sure, you know, the 
coaching staff understands that and needs to recognize that. And, you know, you can't just have one like you had last year. You're going to have to have multiple players. And, you know, if it's a quarterback, which would make a lot of sense right now, and take yeah. nothing away from uh, Brungard, but competition breeds better players. Yep. And let them, you know, fight it out and see what they can do. And if it's a running back, I mean, they've been able to get two great running backs, you know, transfer in the last few years. Of course, I thought King did a great job this year for the Penguins. And they're going to have to find someone to replace him. So, and Rushton. So they, you know, there's, there's things, there's some work to be done. And as fast as the season ends, the off season begins just as fast. And there's so much to be done. Not just at the high school recruiting level, but at the collegiate level. Yeah, it's a that was to be a key offseason for us, Tim. You mentioned uh, we lose our two running backs and Andre uh, Rush and Tyshawn King. We lose our quarterback and Mitch Davidson. Um, so we're going to hit the portal, as you mentioned, um, yeah. and get those fringe FBS players. But also go get the uh, Division two kids that are really good players. We've had some success in the last couple of years um, finding the Division two transfers. Tyshawn King, uh, we all know. Yes. Uh, Jaleel McLaughlin, uh, but the Andrew Ogle trees. Yes. You know, so Coach Rolfs and his staff, while there has been some criticism of them, um, they have done well in the transfer portal, and that's not including uh, Marcus Hooker, who, Tim, has been a really, really sound and solid football player for us in the back end yeah, of our well, defense. The Hooker family yeah. is nothing but athletes, and uh, I've seen him play at the high school level in basketball, and and uh, his in, his um, determination and his instincts are mm-hmm. as an athlete are just phenomenal. So I'm not surprised that he's going to you know do well here at Youngstown and in the opportunities that he's going to have and. That's what you need to do. You got to find players. Yeah. I don't care wh- what position they are. If they're willing to, you you have a scholarship available for them, and you better be able to land them. Um, it's you know you're gonna lose players too, so when you lose depth, you have to recreate that depth. Yep. And um, you know, like I said, I wouldn't want to be a head coach today at any level. No. Um, you know, high school has the same problem with transfers. And well, Tim, you mentioned you don't want to be a coach right now, and I'm not sure I'd want to be Mike Norvell at Florida State right now. Um, well, you know, yeah, know. we can get into that. Might as well as get into we, it. Go ahead. As we transition um, from YSU season, and Tim, I'll be honest, uh, after the North, uh, Northern Iowa game, I didn't think this team could win uh, seven games. I didn't think they could make the playoffs. Um, so... I think all in all, a successful year, a building block. But um, if we jump to the FBS level, um, is it time we go back to the computer point system, Tim? And to a certain degree, yes. Yes. Because, uh, I mean. Well, here's the thing. You cannot tell me. You cannot tell me that. There is not a human element of bias involved in these rankings. And look, if you're gonna 
if you're going to do this crap, Tim, why are we putting out rankings in October? Like, what's the point? You know, like if we're going to – and this is across the board, Tim, because I'll say uh, the SES level needs to go to a, a computer points format also and get away from the uh, selection committee per se. Well, um, but if we're – and look, now you can split hairs here. And you can say the four best teams and the four most deserving teams. You at times could split that. You're you're splitting hairs in how you're using your speech. You are. And but if the goal is to get the four best teams that are most deserving to play for a national championship, Tim, at what point do we stop having a regular season of 12 games and just pick names out of a hat? Because well, we look, did that this I year. Don't take anything, I don't want to take anything away from Nick Saban in Alabama because this might be his best coaching job yet, where they were in September, getting blown out by Texas, struggling late in the fourth quarter against South Florida, having a prayer against Auburn, you know, They've come a long way. They have. Let but, me let me but, stop you for a second here. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they have come a long way. And just to put a nail in the coffin of what you're talking about, uh, about just how ridiculous, uh, you know, you know my, my thought process on committees. I hate them. Because okay. committees are always – in jeopardy of groupthink, where you're going to bully somebody in to making decisions that are not best. And groupthink can really destroy a committee. And I think we've seen that year and year after in these top four. And the biases, as you mentioned, are some of the SEC bias during the last 10 years of this four-team playoff has been outrageous. And it's just that. It's a bias. I'm not saying they're not good football teams. And I'm not saying they some of them weren't deserving of the opportunity to play in this playoffs. But I'll tell you what, there were some that were given opportunities over other teams that absolutely did not deserve that spot. And that's what happened this year. Florida State has that zero. Yep. They play in a Power 5 conference. They actually, yep. the conference won more games against the SEC this the year. SEC. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And you're just throwing all these stats away because you want Alabama in the Final Four. That's a bias. And here's the problem with that. When you look at the AP poll, the AP poll got it correct. They got Michigan 1, Washington 2, Texas 3, and Florida State 4, Alabama at number 5. And I don't have a problem with that look. And it's nothing against the SEC champion in Alabama. Congratulations. A great season. But with only four spots, and you have five big school power conferences, someone's always left out. What has happened is the Pac-12 had a great team this year in Washington that has Mm -hmm. not been competitive for the last 10 years for these spots. And that has thrown everything out of whack. And when you have three teams that are 13-0 and 0 yep. 
in a four-team playoff scenario, there's only one suggestion. Look at the two teams that you're looking at for that four spot in Texas and Alabama. And what's the difference? Alabama lost to Texas at home. By double digits. And, yes, and I don't care if it was the first week of the season, which it wasn't, or it was the fifth week of the season. The Mm -hmm. bottom line is they lost that game to Texas. That is should be a a game breaker. Yep. And if you're going to put a playoff together, the idea of a playoff is to find a true winner. If you have four teams or three teams that have the zero in the loss column, they all have to be in for the simple reason. One of them either is going to run the table of winning the two games and have an undefeated 15-0 season, or one of the one the one loss team is going to defeat the undefeated teams. And at the end of the year, they'll be the number one team with the one loss. All teams will have one loss. Under the circumstances right now, Florida State could be fourteen and zero and be the only undefeated team in college football. Yeah, if Alabama yeah. or Texas wins this playoff, and it was a really good shot they do, and if Florida State beats. Georgia, which is possible. Why not? They're 13 and 0. It's in Florida. <laughs> I like their chances. You know, it's like the you know, if you had the Peach Bowl in and and Georgia was in the Peach Bowl. I like their chances at home. You know, in 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 Atlanta. So, that's just the way it works. So, let's be honest here. I mean, I I can't I, going into it, I was a big proponent of if once Michigan beat Ohio State, Washington beat Oregon, and then we had the night game with Florida State and the Alabama game. It was at earlier, mm-hmm. uh, and yep. they won. And I was like, well, here's the – I kept saying, here's my final four. It's not that. I agree. This is my prediction of the final four. I kept telling everyone it's Michigan, Washington, Florida State, and Alabama. I says, Texas is the one that's going to get screwed. And everyone says, well, they beat. I says, it doesn't matter. It's the SEC bias is going to come into factor. Yep. And the SEC bias did come into factor, and the team that lost was Florida State. And the flimmiest of excuses is that they were down to the third-string quarterback. And by the bowl game on New Year's Day, their second-string quarterback would be back. Yeah, And as far as well, I know, every game has a winner and loser. Yep. And the object of the game is to win. I don't care if you win by one or 50. There is no point differential here. Point differential is a joke. Yes. And a perfect example of that joke, and, and to use a, a silliness of the NBA in-season tournament, the Cavaliers goes three and one and don't advance because of point differential. It's stupid. To it is, it's an absolute I mean, insanity in sports. And, you know, I know you want to find ways to break the tie. Mm-hmm. That's fine. There's ways to break a tie. And there's ways not to break a tie. <laughs> you know, you just got to be honest with yourselves. And... The bottom line, 
should never be point differential because you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, I understand in, in the game of soccer, they, they do go by goal differential, but they're also home mm. and away games. It means it's a combination of the score over two games. So if Team A beats Team B in the opening round at Team A's home field and they win 2-0, two, two and then you go to Team B's home field and they end up winning 1-0, one, 1-0, one, mm-hmm. Team A advances for goal differential. Because if you look at the two games total, it's 3-1. to one. And that's different because you both play at home in a way and you're you're comp- only looking at the goal differential of that game or that competition between those two uh, teams. Uh, we, we, that's not the case in football. You don't have home and away games, meaning matchup. You know, Michigan is not going to play Ohio State next week in Ohio State. That game was in Michigan this year. Next year, it's back at the at the shoe. But there's only one game. There might be two games next year with the with the one division and first and second team. Yep. Uh, that's a totally different scenario because that's on a neutral field. And, you know, you can make your, your bets there. But, yeah, I, I honestly, it just drove me nuts that we've seen what we had. I felt terrible for Florida State. Uh, perfect season. And Cinderella stories are about sports. When you take Four away, in 2000. yeah, what, what I was going to say, when you take away the potential of a Cinderella story, you take away what makes sports great. Great. Yep. But then you saw in 2014 uh, that Ohio State having a third string quarterback didn't matter as they rolled their way to the national championship. Yeah, they did. Now, look, I'm not here to say that Brock Glenn. Uh, and Tate Rodemaker were right. as good as Cardell Jones. But I'll tell you what, Tim, uh, that Florida State defense is nasty. And they shut up every game. And it, it really goes to what uh, Booker McFarlane is saying is, you know, the committee and we as the media have gotten away from, you know, focusing on football games itself. And now we're just enamored with scoring 40 and 50 points yeah, a game. See, and the here's the th- quarterbacks. And you know what, though? Florida State's defense, game in and game out, showed up. And it's about winning football games. If you win by one and, and you win them, by 50, it goes in the left side of the column in the win column. For them to win on the road, and I get Florida was bad this year, but for them to go on the road, in the mighty SEC with a backup quarterback, Tim, and to win that game. Yeah. And then on the fly, go to the ACC championship on a neutral site and win that game by double digits. Look. Because your defense was lights out. Tim, it didn't matter if you and I played quarterback before State were still winning that game. Here's the thing, Anthony, even add another layer to what you're talking about. That Florida State-Florida game is a huge rivalry. It is the biggest rivalry between the two schools, and they don't even play in conference against each other. 
They're Mm-mm. they're out of conference, meaning they're both in separate yep. conferences, and it's the yep. biggest game on their schedule. Mm-hmm. They circle that every year, yep. no matter every where year. you play. If you're a Nolf or you're a Gator, you that is the most important yep. game of the year. It is like the Michigan-Ohio State game. The bragging rights and everything depends on how great your season begins at that game. If Michigan hypothetically lost to to Ohio State, they would not be in this top four. No. Ohio State would be undefeated and would be. I know that. But my point is, you're not going to... Alabama jumping from eighth spot to the the fourth spot is just absolutely insane. It's bias. It's bias. It's bias. It's just... It's unfortunate reality in sports. Money talks and bullshit walks. And this was all about freaking money. This was not about the four best teams. Win? How do you win? If you're fourth last week, how do you win by double digits? You give up six points, less than 150 yards combined, and you move down two spots? I know. How? Insanity. I, I, I don't, Tim, I just don't get it because you can't tell me. You cannot tell me that if the rules were reversed and Florida State lost to uh, Texas beginning of the year in week two or three and they rolled the table and they won their conference championship and finished 12 and one and Alabama was 13 and 0 and had their third string quarterback. You can't tell me they're still not taking Alabama. Yeah. Well, the here's SEC another thing here. Here's something to think about Anthony Florida state was denied a spot in the top four 13 and 0 in a power conference. Yeah. Two years ago, Cincinnati was 13-0 and in a non-power conference, and they yep. were selected. And they made it. TCU. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, it just, it blogs the mind that you're telling me this Florida State in a Power 5 team is not as good as those schools in those r- relative years. I, I just don't find it. I, I, like I said, it was pure bias. It's unfortunate reality in sports. And yep. if Alabama goes on to win the championship, fantastic for them. I hope Florida State beats Georgia for the simple reason mm-hmm. I want. And, and this is not fair. And it's not reality when I say this. But in a lot of ways, I hope they freaking claim the national title on their own. Well, here's the scary thing. And I don't think it'll happen. I don't think the AP poll will put them number one, but they should. If they're undefeated and they're the only team that's undefeated, they should be number one at the end of the year. Yep. But it's not going to work that way. I know that, but it it just irritates me. And I'm not a Florida State fan. I just wanted to see the best four teams have the opportunity. We have three teams that are undefeated. Don't leave that one team out in a Power 5 conference. And tell me that an undefeated season means something, because obviously it doesn't. Well, Tim, I'll say this uh, twofold. Uh, right now, you play Florida State and Alabama. Alabama will struggle to move the football against Florida State's defense. That defense is a national championship defense. Yeah. And, Tim, it arguably might be the best defense of any of the teams still playing in the Bulls this year. Well, now that we're going to have the expansion next year to 12 teams. Obviously, the 13 and 14 team will be bitching, you know, about being yep. not selected. But the truth of the matter, those are t- going to be teams with two and three losses. Yeah. 
And seriously, they may have had, you know, a tough beginning or a couple of heartbreak losses. And who knows who they are today? Mm-hmm. Uh, God forbid it's the Buckeyes or anything like that. But you never know. Uh, yeah. You know, anything can happen in sports, as we found out. Well, I'll say this team. And it's going to be about matchups. They're going to they're going to they're going to select teams for matchups, just like. Youngstown, I I still say that Youngstown was very fortunate to make the playoffs this year, and it was not mm-hmm. necessarily, like as you mentioned, 7-4 the year before missed, 7-4 this year made. What in my mind, and from what they said the day of the, uh, that regional matchups matter, if you were going to put Duquesne in, a perfect matchup was against Youngstown State. That's regional. They, you know, with all, both within 90 minutes of each other, campuses, you get a stadium the size of Youngstown to play it in. It, it made too much sense if you if that mattered, and and then I'm mm-hmm. sure it played a factor in the in the choice. Uh, let's say Duquesne was left out. I'm not sure Youngstown gets an invite. I really don't. No, no, Duquesne uh, does not win the NEC. Uh, YSU is not getting in because they want to regionalize the matchups in the first round and. Um, yes. You know, that's why Washington didn't get in last year. Um, because a team closer to Delaware made the playoffs. Yeah. Whether it's fair or not. But, you know, Tomasi is going back to Florida State. Uh, what the Cultural Playoffs Washington Committee did also was essentially cripple another one of the Power Five conferences. Because if you're Florida State and you're sitting there saying, we did everything that we were asked to do. Yes. We won the ACC. Florida State in the offseason with Clemson was thinking, maybe can we get out of the ACC? Do we go independent? Do we join the SEC? If I'm Florida State right now, to me, my thought process is, what's the point of sticking in the ACC? <laughs> You're right. I, I mean – because no, that's a great point. That's a Stanford, Cal, and SMU will not do anything. And they're not. Would you consider a basketball school? They're not the, you know, North Carolina no. or, no. Uh, no. or the Dukes of the world. No. So, yeah. No. If you're Florida State, you're. Uh, if I'm the HC, I am really scared about the not only this year's uh, ramifications, but five, ten years from now. Yeah. Well, you know, if you lose Florida State from the ACC, uh, you're losing not only. Well, let's hypothetically let's just up. let's just do this because we're well. I'm a I'm a Big Ten fan. Let me mm-hmm. let me just do this hypothetically. You take, let's say you take University of Miami and Florida State and put them in the Big Ten. Now look how large the Big Ten is geographically. Not only are yep. you east to west, but you're north to south. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you're at a level, you know. Yeah, I mean, granted, it's one of the most difficult conferences you can find for any sport. But, you know, this is what mega conferences are. And that's what we're headed towards. And, yeah, you know, with, with well, it is mega conferences because let's be honest the SEC and the Big Ten rule and everybody else was second fiddle. If you're in a Pac-12, well, obviously it's going to dissolve. You're in the ACC. You're holding on. You're yeah. just holding on. 
You're holding on for dear life right yeah, now. Yeah, you are. And thank God you have Notre Dame as, a, as an associate member. Yeah. Because if you didn't have that. So you'd be done. Yeah. And if anything, if there was ever a miracle where they could actually get Notre Dame to be a full member, which I don't think will happen, but I'm just saying nope. that would solidify the ACC then for many years to come. And quite honest with you, if, if there's a conference that's going to absorb Notre Dame, and I'm not saying Notre Dame's going to do this, it would be the Big Ten. It makes the most sense for them. I'm not saying yeah, that's... Football makes the most sense. Yeah. And geographically, it makes the most sense. Geographically, it makes the most sense. They would, yeah, it, it, would, it, would, it would simplify all their needs to travel and everything like that. And you would have, you know, uh, Northwestern and other schools, similar academica, you know, to play. And plus, you could probably keep your own rivals, like with Navy and other schools uh, that you wanted mm-hmm. to keep. And you would re- renew your rivalry with, and uh, not renew, but could renew your yeah. rivalry with Michigan you would sustain your rivalry with USC because you never know what the future holds. With the Big Ten as big as it is, USC may, in five years, say, much as we love playing Notre Dame, it doesn't work for us no more. Yeah, I'm not saying that's going yeah, to happen, but it could happen. And then that you know, the, the one who really gets holding the bag is Notre Dame. And, you know, where, where are they at? Well, if they join the Big Ten, not only do they all of a sudden get all the regional matchups again with four, uh, with Michigan State and Michigan, and then they bring in Ohio State, which they play you know once every twenty years. Uh, you bring back USC, you get UCLA. I mean, it would make a lot of sense for all football and basketball and all that. Uh, I mean, just as matchup goes and regional. And I, you can get into the independence and, and the money and NBC and all that other factors on Notre Dame. Just looking at competition and history of Notre Dame, it would make a lot of sense. I'm not sure it'll ever happen. I think there's, you know, not really a a need with the expanded playoffs now. If it was still four for the next ten years, you can almost guarantee Notre Dame would be, probably be on the outside looking in most years. But at yeah, twelve, um, at twelve, they should really never not be in the playoffs. I mean, I think yeah, out of ten years, you can really say seven to eight years, six. You know, a minimum six. But I would say seven, eight out of ten years, they should be in the playoffs every time. If not well, ten out of ten, you know, there's no excuse for every ten years, uh, you're not in the top twelve, eight or nine of those years. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. This team, Tim, I'm, I'm not sure. Or you know what? I'm 100% positive that they won't come out and say it out loud, but the powers that be there are completely fine with where they're at. Yeah, I agree with that. I totally um, agree with that. Because they don't want to get into the, you know, they'll dip their toes a little bit and maybe jump off the small little kid diving board and the NIL stuff and the portal. But right. they will not go full cannonball on the deep end with that stuff. And um, yeah, and right now on the field, they're not going to be one of the twelve best teams. Marcus Freeman is head coach. Plain, plain, simple. Period. End of story. They 
they will not be one of the 12 best teams with Marcus Freeman as head coach. Yeah. That, uh, that's just how it is. It that's is. Just, yeah. well, you know, we'll let the uh... – with, let the games play out. Obviously, another eight and three season next year will probably be the end of it. Let's be honest. I don't think. And uh, I don't think I the don't... university alumnus and those involved will uh, will stand for another eight and three season. That's just my opinion. Doesn't mean I think I'm right. If he goes nine and three next year. Yeah, nine and three. I say uh, eight and three. They'll they'll probably cover that up with excuses of oh. We played at Texas A&M. And yeah, we, we lost State. by one to Ohio uh, State, that type of thing. Too. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, there'll always be excuses. Right, I, I understand think, what you're saying. Uh, I don't know next year with the new president and new athletic director taking over. It'll be next year. But if you go four years, Tim. Yeah. Of nine and three being your best season, you better start packing your bags. You'll be a well, I'll say this. This is where the expanded playoffs may save a coach like like Freeman. Yeah. In a sense, let's well, hypothetically. Well, not only does he get in, okay, let's say they're ninth, you know. Yeah. Okay. Chances are they get the home game because it's Notre Dame, and it's going to be on NBC, yeah. and they'll pay whatever. What I don't know how that will work, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. But needless to say, uh, they advance. They pull up the upset in the second round. Yeah. And, you know, whatever happens from that point on, it, people are going to just go crazy that Notre Dame's in the Final Four. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, that's a scenario that could keep a, a, a Freeman around. I'm not saying it will happen that way because usually cream flows to the top and the best teams win. So we'll see what transpires going forward for uh, Notre Dame. But... Uh, since we're speaking about that, I mentioned uh, I had a chance to go there a few weeks ago, and I had a I had a great time, and uh, it was a great experience, and uh, I look forward to going back soon. I hope I have that opportunity here again in another year or two to uh, make that trip back to uh, South Bend and uh, experience uh, the Fighting Irish. That was a that was a great sporting opportunity. I'm glad I did it. Yeah, it's. And this is coming from a biased perspective. It's uh, truly one of the most beautiful campuses in America. Yes. Uh, I believe as soon as you walk on that campus and you walk up and you see the Golden Dome, I mean, even when you get off 80 there mm-hmm. and you see the Golden Dome in the background and you walk on campus and you see the stadium, uh, you can't help but think of the history and the tradition and all of the you know, the movies and the songs and the lores uh, that have come uh, from that place and uh, uh, through those doors. It's just, um, it's... It's a magical. It's a different atmosphere uh, than any college campus. Yeah. Is it as rowdy as Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, no, it's Texas, different. Alabama? No way. No. It's, it's different. Yeah. Let me put it this way. You never, you know, I've only been there once for a football game. I've been there to the university years ago. Uh, a neighbor um, was attending Notre Dame. And as a family, this is when I was probably like 12, 13, 14 years old, mm-hmm. if that, maybe a little younger, uh, had a wedding out in South Bend. Mm-hmm. So we went for a weekend. 
we called him up and he gave us a tour of the campus as a student, you know, mm -hmm. and it was an amazing yeah. experience, you know, something you don't ever get to experience, you know, too mm -hmm. often to be, you know, walked all around campus by a uh, student, you know, when you're not, you know, <laughs> being recruited or trying to go there type thing. So it was quite an experience and I'll, I'll always remember that and thank, uh, uh, those uh, who made that happen years ago. But needless to say, it is a special place, and I hope to go back again. And uh, let's just, uh, you know, keep going forward. Like I, I mentioned many times, uh, I do want to mention this real quickly. Basketball season's here. Mm -hmm. uh, high school basketball begins tomorrow night on uh, Lawrence County Sportsnet. And uh, we uh, I got two games uh, on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And we're going to get going into the basketball season and girls and boys. And uh, we'll probably do some hockey maybe this year again. And uh, we'll actually uh, do some bocce. So a lot going on on lcsportsnet.com. You want to check that out. You can find us. Just subscribe on YouTube. That's the best way to do it. You can go to the website and get on, which is fantastic too, at lcsportsnet.com. But if you go to... YouTube, and just subscribe to LC Sportsnet, and you'll get all the notifications when the next game is, and you'll get all the when we have multiple games, you can choose which one you want to watch. Um, Newcastle basketball will be on this year. We're looking forward to doing their games. Uh, obviously, I miss doing them on a weekly basis. That was a lot of fun. It's a great program, and um, but we're going to do the entire county of Lawrence County. That's what uh, Sportsnet does and LC Sportsnet. So uh, we're going to be in Union for uh, two days uh, on Thursday or Wednesday and Thursday. So should be a great start of the basketball season. And uh, tonight I went to uh, Struthers to catch a JV game. Uh, Struthers was playing Western Reserve. My nephew, uh, Logan, was uh, on the court tonight for Western Reserve. Uh, uh, unfortunately, they came up short. Uh, they had the lead late. And uh, a couple turnovers and some good defense there by Struthers late in the ball game. They ended up pulling away and winning by uh, five. I believe the final score was 41-36. And Logan Work, uh, the young man I went to watch, my uh, nephew, had five points um, in the there game. So not bad. He hit a three and uh, a, right. made a nice drive down the middle and put the ball up off the glass for uh, two. So. Yeah, it was a a good night. I enjoyed it, and uh, I won't be able to watch them a lot this year because of my own schedule, but when I can squeeze a game in, I'm going to do it, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. So, Anthony, uh, it's been amazing. Uh, like I said, um, it's been a good good hour here, a little over an hour, so I don't want to keep you much longer, and uh, I don't want to keep myself because we got a lot to do here on this uh, mm -hmm. Tuesday night, but it's fun to talk sports, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's nice to talk sports. Uh, it's a shame our football season has come to an end, but uh, all in all, reflecting back on it, a uh, successful season uh, back in the playoffs. Hopefully, uh, that can something be to build on. Common. Yeah. yeah, it's got something to build on uh, because you and I talked about it. It was nice to get you back at Stamball Stadium this year. Yes, uh, I enjoyed that game. And uh, hopefully, there can be many more. Uh, playoff games with Dan Ball Stadium. And I'll say this is, you know, as much as Saturday sucked, because it sucked, it's never fun losing your playoffs, it's never fun getting blown out. Um, 
but uh, we've really become spoiled, Tim. I know they've become uh, sporadic here in the last decade or so, uh, but Saturday was the first time we've lost the playoffs before the semifinals since 1990. That's a heck of a run. Um, that's a remarkable streak of uh, consistency. Made some good fortune in there, but uh, hopefully next year we can advance past the semifinals and uh, – uh, get that elusive fifth rank. Yeah, no question about it. Real quick, uh, on the NFL level, the Browns uh, continue to squander opportunities away. Joe Flacco's at quarterback uh, last week. I thought he actually did pretty damn good for a guy who just came off the street two weeks ago. Um, hard for me to say that as a YSU fan. You know why. Yeah, being from Delaware. <laughs> and um, and what's, you know what even makes it worse being a YSU Ohio State fan? And he's from Delaware. He's a Ravens guy too. Uh, the, that even makes well. That's his past. I'll give him a, a, a. You know, he won a Super Bowl there too. So, but needless to say, why I really hate Delaware as much as uh, almost any other school in the world. They have the same goddamn helmets. They got the yeah, same goddamn Michigan. helmets and colors as goddamn Michigan. Well, speaking of Michigan, Tim, real quick before we go, uh, Michigan, Alabama, Washington, Texas, who is your national championship and who is your national champion? Oh, I really got to think this through for a second. I've been going back and forth. I'm going to take the underdog in Texas. Okay. I want Texas, and and I'm, I'm selfish here. I want Texas to win it all, and I want, without a question, Alabama Florida to State to win in the Orange Bowl to be undefeated. That's what I want. Well, I'm going to go, and I've waffled back and forth. I think Texas will beat Washington. I think Washington's had a heck of a year, uh, but I think Texas is playing really well right now. So I, I think Michigan is the best team of all of them, to be honest with you. And I've gone back and forth, Tim, between Alabama and Michigan. Um, it's really, really difficult to pick against Nick Saban in a playoff or championship-type game. Yeah. Um, give me Michigan to beat Alabama, um, but give me Texas to beat Michigan. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I think. You know, you I, know I could Texas never, offense. you know, deep down, I could never pick Michigan to be winners. So, <laughs> no, no. And I'll be honest, Jim, I don't think but I will say this. Texas. Yeah, I, I will really say. Don't. Yeah, well, I think it's going to be a great game if that comes out that way, and it should yeah, be a lot of fun to watch on that Monday night. Again, they're going to move that to Friday or Saturdays, but that's a different story. Yep, that game's got to be. <laughs> yep, that's, but uh, we'll we'll talk about that that week that that game transpires. But more importantly, um. Yeah, I can't root for Michigan, but I do. I will say this: I do think of the four teams left, Michigan is the is the strongest of the four. I think Texas might be a little better than them. You know I what? Really they may be, and I've only seen Texas play a handful uh, of game. You know, I seen them play part of the the Michigan, or excuse me, the Alabama game. I seen game parts game. of the Oklahoma game and stuff like mm-hmm. that this year. I did not have a great menu of games for. Um, yeah. for Texas this year, but 
Yeah, I think this just they might this might be just their year. We'll find out. It should be a lot of yep. fun. So mark me down as the Longhorn for national title. Best team. If you add, if you really want to you really want to drag it out of me, the best team is that team up north. Uh, but I think in the end, uh, the Longhorns from uh, Texas are going to be celebrating on Monday night. Yeah, I do too. Uh, because uh, remember, the national championship game this year is in Houston. So essentially a home game for Texas if they do get there. So um, you'll have everyone in America if Michigan is in that game. Everybody who's not a Michigan fan uh, will be rooting. Uh, for the yeah, it'll be that when they show the entire map, it'll it'll be all Longhorn except one state. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, Anthony, you have a safe week. I will talk to you here Thanks soon. I want to thank everybody for listening here on Radio MVP. Remember to tell your family, friends, and enemies about Radio MVP. Have a great night, everyone.